Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and of course, that makes this Circles and Squares episode number eight, and we're here again to talk about PlayStation. How you doing, Kate? I'm, I'm great, how are you? Hanging in there. I had a couple long days, you know, it's been, uh, you know, draining, but but uh, always here for a good podcast. Enjoy talking about games and everything, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, you gotta have something to look forward to during the week. Try, <laughs> I was, you know, like I said, long week, and I'm just like, you know what, I'm gonna do this podcast, I'm gonna go right home, get into bed, and like... I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow at this point. <laughs> well, that wasn't a death joke. Okay. That wasn't a death joke. Someone's been playing a lot of Last of Us and uh, hey, feeling a little you. violent. That's actually true. But, you know, yeah. Don't worry. No, no. Uh, I'll just sleep in a little bit. That's all. We're all good. Um, yeah. So um, as always, we're going to start the show off, talk about the games we've been playing. Um, then we're going to have a break, talk about a bit of news going on. And then finally, we're, we thought, uh, you know, we do a little segment on some game mechanics that we um, aren't really fans of and how certain games imp- have improved upon these and, and some examples of what the do's and do nots are of these ideas we've had. So uh, we'll get to that later on, but let's start off with the games we've been playing. And yes, um, I did beat The Last of Us 2 finally. I actually beat it this morning before <laughs> work. I got, I was playing it. It's funny. I, I've been going through like, and it's one of those games where, like I said last time, I think I've been playing it, uh, really enjoying it. I, my opinions haven't changed. Like the combat, I spoke mostly about combat last time love the way the combat feels but it's one of those things like I just it's hard to play in big chunks just because of how violent and how serious it is all the time it's like emotionally draining almost well it is right and there's there's high points too like there's highs and lows but a lot of it's like very gruesome and and like emotionally even if it's not like violent wise it's still it's like emotionally heavy in terms of character Mm -hmm. relationships and everything so it's one of those like I need breaks in between and whatever so I finally managed to get through it I wanted to beat it for the show today and uh and i did so like i said combat's still great the the this game like it's so much more than just just the mechanics though you know and it's mm-hmm. and like i said hard to talk about without spoilers i'm not going to have any spoilers here i'd love to do spoilers in the future but it's like it's it's like a movie you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's like you're watching these movies in between the cutscenes, and the, just the interpersonal relationships are are masterfully done in this game like the way that every character is there's no one inconsequential you know, and there's the the cast is a lot more expanded than in the first Last of Us, uh, which I mean, they had a lot of characters in that game, too. But it was mostly just centered around Joel and Ellie. Mm-hmm. They ran into some people here and there. But this game, you they definitely have a more expanded like main cast mm-hmm. and you get to know these people and their motivations. And what you get to learn over the story is, you know, most games they'll have like this is the evil person and these people are bad and we're going to stop them. And look, look, we did it. We saved everything and it's all good. But yeah, in this right. game, it's a lot more morally gray. And, and even when you're playing, like, you're like, man, is Ellie right in doing this? And, and the game doesn't give you a lot of wiggle room in terms of your own agency. You kind right. of do what they intend for so you. So it's not so much like some games are very much like power fantasy and they don't really want you to, like, think any more than, than like, go kill a bunch of things in destruction and, like, this is fun and entertaining. Yeah. Whereas this, this kind of game is more like you really need to seriously consider what you as the player is doing as well. It's that kind of... Kind yeah, but I mean, well, I mean, you do, but but like like I said, like you don't have any choice. Like if if mm-hmm. the if the you know when they're creating the game, it's like Ellie's gonna murder this person. Like you don't have you don't get to choose how she does it. You don't get to choose right. if she does it. She's gonna do it. She's gonna do it the way that is intended in the game, and you're gonna be there like watching it happen. And maybe you'll have a few button presses like during a cutscene or something. But you're you're like very much along for the ride here, right? Which, because it's it's not your story; it's Ellie's right. story you're experiencing right. along and, with. And her. I really appreciate that because as much as I like kind of having my own adventure and like making my own, you know, outcomes for games like Mass Effect or like pretty mm-hmm. much. I mean, you can 
a lot of games these days have those kind of elements and like the telltale games i'm a huge fan of those and everything Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day like it's really cool to just be told a story you know Mm. and it's the same as like watching a really a really gripping movie like you just need to know what happens to these people and the only difference here is you're actually controlling it like along the way which is is even like i like it better obviously this is a game podcast this is what we do right (laughs) but you know one thing i didn't really touch on last time and i think maybe it's because i hadn't experienced as much of the game is is just how the environments are crafted i think is masterful in this game and it's so easy to write off like a lot of zombie genre stuff as like, oh, it's just dark and like gritty. And, and this game mm-hmm. is, but it's also got some really beautiful moments. And, and in terms of like the nature around it and even some of the dark stuff is still really beautiful to look at. And it just for for a world that's so dark, it's got so much variation in terms of where you go. Like the first game, I think the environments were a lot more not one note like it still it had a lot of variation as well but this game there's like water areas there's forests there's towns there's mm-hmm. there's like some buildings you send, spend some extensive time in and it's just a lot more different things to look at right. you know like you different biomes a lot things. of different <laughs> biomes yeah and they all they all behave differently too and, and they have different enemies which is, i think is like I, I think i touched on it last time with the combat how there's a lot more enemy variety in this game but i mean it's even more than just a few enemies here and there it's, it's very much like this is a totally separate group of people and they they like behave differently they they guard things differently they're more or less aggressive they they communicate differently and it's some of it's really unsettling (laughs) the way that they communicate like it's uh i can't really say too much more without the spoilers but for anyone that's played the game they'll know exactly what i'm talking about about this this one specific group the other thing i didn't talk about last time was the 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 main mechanical change beyond like the i talked about the 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 crawling and the stealth and whatnot but i didn't talk about that how i don't believe how they included a jump button in this one and she had, she's a, a rope swing too. She's got the, the rope like swing. Yeah, it's it's not used a whole lot, but I mean the way they do it is it feels the with the rope it's very organic. Like you know, in a lot of games it'll be like, well, you know, this is the grapple point because it's it's like this bright yellow indicator right, and like, you clearly have to do this. Yeah, here. and walk up to it and press X mm-hmm. and like there you go. Like the the Last of Us Two, I I don't think it's not like you can use the rope and grapple anywhere. Like you don't actually get a rope. Like you it just kind of in certain areas you'll come across these things right. but it does it's not like they naughty dog is so masterful in like their their environment creation and everything mm-hmm. just looks so natural and like yes, and you have to actually and cinematic yeah right and you, and when you're in the environment you're like okay well i need to use this rope to like climb wherever i'm doing you have to look around you actually have to think like if you were in that building like what would you attach that rope to or like where would you grapple it over top of because it's not like you have this one shining beacon right. indicator to to identify that right to you. and there's no spider-man like mm-hmm. through the city what is his web attached exactly <laughs> yeah exactly but they, they have a lot of examples of that too like in the in the first game of what some of the things you do like you unlock these safes and you have to find the safe combinations and they have like a lot of supplies or like maybe a weapon or something good in there and in this game there's there's safes to open as well but a lot of the saves like sometimes you'll find a note and it'll be like oh don't worry the safe combination is like one two three or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but in, but in some of the examples in this, they're actually like environmental things you have to do to to find the combination. Like, so you won't even be looking at a specific note you picked up. You'll actually have to like look around the room and be like, well, there's a cork board over there, and you have to go and actually look at the board and read these numbers that aren't notified to you in any way, other than you've got to look at the environment just like it's anything else in the room where you're sitting right now. Like it's very organic in that way. Hmm. And I think for some people, like for me, I actually found it frustrating a couple times because if you miss something, 
it can be hard to find it because there isn't that indicator. Right. You weren't directly you led weren't, to it. Exactly. Right. But at the same time, if you're observant and it's not usually that complex, like the, the time I got confused because I overthought it mm-hmm. and I was just thinking like, oh, it's, it couldn't be that simple. Right. And then eventually it took a break, came back and like, oh, of course, it's like right by <laughs> right beside there. But you just miss <laughs> these things. But I think those things are pretty neat. I did, like I said, the story, I'm not going to spoil anything. I think the story is like the strongest part of this game and it ties together so well with the first game, right? Um, which I think stands alone on its own like very well. If they never made a sequel to The Last of Us, I think it ended in a good spot. There was some ambiguity and it was a, it was a good ending. But the way that they built on what they did in the first game, I think has is, is only even strengthened what happened within the first game. And it's given a lot of answers to some of those cliffhangers and whatnot. I, I I like the outcomes and everything. Like they made some choices, which I'm sure like not everyone would agree with. They've made some, you know, some choices I think that people would would maybe change if they had their own autonomy. But because the story is what you're being told, it is what it is. And even the characters that are the ones that are the dislikable characters, they're they're dislikable because they're so well written, and you can you just hate them because they're like one of those characters you you're not supposed to like them, you know? Right. Like you could almost like picture them as someone in real life you might come across and like as as a real villain instead of Mm -hmm. something like cartoony and over the top Mm -hmm. yeah there's it's very grounded like there's nothing unrealistic in this game like i mean it's a fantasy obviously setting but like within this world this is how you would you believe people would act this way and it's very well presented like all the interactions it's great and the my only complaint with the whole game is that there's there's a little bit of pacing in my opinion about for if there's if you divide the game into three quarters the third quarter i would say maybe is a little bit slow and draggy with certain things was that in three quarters (laughs) four quarters oh god it's okay you've had a long week but we'll get ahead of this before someone else does (laughs) say the three quarters is um four quarters if the game was in four quarters (laughs) the third of the this is confusing now yeah no we've ruined this completely. towards the end of the game not the end but like just the little section before right, i right. found that it went on a bit too long yes just for my taste and and there was one little circumstance where i where i felt like maybe it was the only thing in the game where i'm like would this really have been what this character would have done like mm-hmm. i don't i don't know if i bought it but i mean that's maybe just i'm looking at her i'd like to go back and i want to replay this game again just because it's you know when you watch a good tv show or a movie and you mm-hmm. and you pick like it's a movie you've seen five or six times but you still notice something in the background yes. that you didn't see before like this is very much that i think could right. happen here too and i'm i'm excited to go back i'm going to take you know a bit of time off get away from the game i'd like to go back and do the platinum and uh you know go through you can't do it on the first playthrough because of you got to upgrade all your weapons and stuff you don't get enough resources on the first one okay. so you got to replay it anyway but i i think that going through and and really now that i know the outcomes looking for like the antecedents to things that characters do and and realizing that would be a cool experience right. in the same way and so. that, that's awesome and that's such a testament to how well written and well like crafted the story is if, if you're actively interested to go back and like revisit it like I'm there's so such a large part of me that wants you to just give me the absolute like spoiler filled (laughs) tell me everything I want to be absorbed in this story because I think I would still enjoy it going forward and like looking out for those things and like how does that end up happening but like don't do it because I think I do want to experience it like you need to for sure for sure And, and you know one of the things that's interesting is I know before we were talking about on the show I think one of our earlier episodes about the spoilers that that had come out for the game and how and now that I've beaten it I've went back and listened to a lot of you know excuse me, spoiler content from other shows and, and just people's opinions on that. And the overwhelming opinion is is like the spoilers didn't actually really ruin the game for me because some of the things in the spoilers you wouldn't expect to happen like how they happen or right. 
or there's so much storytelling that's not just the cutscenes. There, it's also in the interpersonal conversations as you're walking through the environment, or mm-hmm. or little things like that 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 would really add so much context. And I think that people who got mad about the spoilers would probably would they obviously wouldn't have had that context by not playing the game, and so they wouldn't really understand what was going right. on in the cutscenes to the right. same extent. It's right? almost more kind of misleading than actually like outright yeah, spoiling. Yeah, yeah, and and. I just think that it's an experience that you got to you got to play it and and get your hands on it and just live in that world for a little bit, yeah. get yourself in there. Oh, and I'm, um, I'm so excited to play it. Every time you you talk to me about it, and it's the the problem I have and why my game list is so long is is I talk to people, I read something about a game, and I get so incredibly like excited and passionate to play it, but then like two days later, I have that with a different game, and it's like, uh oh, which one do I play now? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Like that never ends. Yeah, it's so true. Um, I just have one other point I wanted to bring up about the mm-hmm. game, and then I'm then I'm done. Oh please. Is yeah. So. I know I spoke about the combat a lot last time, but one thing I really wanted to point out and I've learned more as I played the game is like the AI is just so intelligent in this game and the way they behave. Like, you know, a lot of open world games, you kind of you get to this part. Like, I think a good example would be like uh, Spider-Man from a couple years ago and you'd get to the part and it'd be like one of the bases. You'd have to go clear a bunch of henchmen out of this place. Mm -hmm. And when you get there, you can kind of sit there for a minute and you're like, okay, this guy walks up these stairs, looks around, comes back down. And that's kind of his pattern. That's what Mm -hmm. he does. And then, so if you go kill him, you know that that part's going to be safe or like, or whatever. And if they notice the body, they'll come after you, whatever. But this game, like they almost behave. I don't know how they programmed it, but it just seems to me like from what I've other games I've experienced, the AI is so much smarter. Like sure they have their little patrol routes or whatever, but it's not like you don't see one enemy and you're like, okay, I know that guy just stands still. Like this enemy type stands still. Like they're all, Mm -hmm. they're all autonomous people. And, and they don't do the thing where where like if you kill one of them and, and then they see you and then you run away, go into stealth, hide for a minute, then they're all just like, well, I guess she's gone and they just keep doing their own business. Like right, right. they go after you once they see a body because they know you're still there. Like they, their friend died. They'll they'll be like, oh, that was Jeff. He's I, he she shot him. We gotta find her. Mm-hmm. And they just don't stop. And then and they'll they'll walk out of the places where they were before. Like they they behave as a real unit of people would behave. And I just appreciate that so much because it it's one of those things that like when a game does it poorly, it 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 real you realize you're playing a video game and you can mm-hmm. manipulate these mechanics and like and like make people make it easier for yourself in that way but in this game it's very much like okay i know if i kill this guy this guy's going to see the body and then i'm going to have like the heat's going to be on i'm going to have to figure this out right and and it it's a really cool experience i hope games going forward have more of this type of thing and it and i it's unmatched as far as i'm concerned yeah. in that way yeah that that is super cool i i hope and i think it will be something that a lot of games try to move towards is like yeah that like ai getting smarter and more like you know like realistic like Mm -hmm. proper responses to things like i remember when um when oblivion kind of was getting big like the like the elder scrolls game the one before skyrim and it was like a big deal that they had like characters had their own like life cycle almost where like during different parts of the day they'd be in different spaces yeah this guy's at the library between yeah exactly and like this guy's a farmer and he's like out working in the fields but like one day a week maybe he's inside Mm -hmm. he's got his day off or something Mm -hmm. so like that was a big deal but it was obviously like it's scripted in its own way right but that's what's interesting about this is that if i kill if there's five guys in a room and i kill the first one they're all going to run towards where he was and then they'll be in that area but it would be different for each one of those if I'd kill them a certain way or do a certain thing. Like it's so reactive. Yeah. And, and like uh, it's amazing how they make that 
work like to actually mm-hmm. implement that is like i wouldn't know where to start that's mind-boggling really like, it's always like fucking magicians are creating these games like, <laughs> well they basically I are i don't know how you guys do it it's incredible but like that is so incredibly cool and like that means too that like it gives you that great water cooler moment where like mm-hmm. everyone who plays it has a slightly different way that they like approached it and then totally. did something different based on that. Totally. And, and like, like I said before, you're always so limited in your inventory that you can't, you almost couldn't handle it the same way as someone else. Because if I go into a certain area, like good, I got three grenades or three, mm-hmm. three of these bombs, like I'll just use these. But oh, if wow. you didn't have those resources, Fancy, you have three grenades. I know, right? All, all I got is two <laughs> pistol ammo and like great game, play it if you can. And anyone that's played it already, like, you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> you know so, the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I have been playing one other thing uh, completely off the board. I just got a funny story about it. So I've been, like I said, I took a lot of breaks playing Last of Us just because of the content. Like I needed to decompress. Uh, so I picked up, I, I have um, Madden 20. I have EA, EA access. So I get all the EA games for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and Well, not for free. I know subscription whatever but i downloaded uh, madden 20 because you know what i'm going through sports withdrawal i miss football i miss hockey i miss everything <laughs> just wanted to play some madden take it easy You're so i relax so and I, this this is like something i never do like i don't i don't really play madden ever like i just wanted to you know something easy to toss on so i decided i was gonna write you know what i'm gonna start myself a career mode i'll be the quarterback and go through the draft get drafted whatever mm-hmm. first of all you want to talk about like good m- menus and like seamless you know everything the last of us just does like everything is so well like madden the load times are just ridiculous <laughs> like the menus laggy like it just doesn't work well man and and like i don't know it be, like it it's just such madden. a it, <laughs> that's one of the worst jokes i've ever heard in my life so anyway i get past this i'm not gonna start critiquing madden 20 like it is what it is yeah whatever you, you're gonna play it if you like football whatever so i get through my quarterback right i'm, I'm going through the draft i don't do so well i'm not very good at the game and, and the guys are like well they, we don't know if you're gonna get drafted like you you might or might not turns out i i get drafted by the skin of my teeth to the uh-huh. cincinnati Bengals. right okay for anyone that sure. watches football so tight it's actually team. not a bad place to land for your quarterback because they got some good receivers and whatever so i'm playing through my rookie season and they give you little goals to go through. It's not just about winning the game. It's it's like, oh, one of your receivers will text you before the game in the menu and he'll be like, hey, it'd be nice if you could hook me up with three passes this game at least and or whatever, just to give you little goals. And it'll, wow. it'll be like, Is if he you, like blackmailing you to do <laughs> Basically. <yeah. He's laughs> oh like, my God. <laughs> should report him to your coach. Yeah, right. I should, but you know. So so if you complete the goal, you get like an experience bonus or something. Right. Yeah, and and so because I'm the quarterback, you know, I like to, th- I, I throw the ball. That's what I do. I don't like to give it to the running back because I, it means I get to do nothing that play. But my running back before this one game, he was like, listen, man, you hardly been giving me the ball. Like, let me have like 15 carries this game. And I was like, whatever, fine, I'll just do it. So first play of the game, for those that don't know the running back, obviously you, the quarterback hands the ball to him and he does his thing instead of, instead of throwing a pass. So throwing a pass obviously is way more fun. But in this game, I was like, okay, I'll give this guy the football, whatever. First play of the game, I give it to him. He gets injured on the first play of the game. And I'm like, you know what? This is great. I don't have to give him the ball anymore. I can just yeah, throw my passes perfect. because Problem's he's hurt. <laughs> I, looks like he wanted to touch to get 15 carries. He's not going to get him. He got injured. After the game, I go onto the locker room. I'm upgrading my character or whatever. And then mm-hmm. you, you check your text. You, you see which goals you, you completed, whatever. This guy is bitching me out over text messages <laughs> that he didn't get, that I didn't give him 15 carries. And I was like, Dude, this is a huge problem with this game because he was hurt. Like I couldn't. <laughs> was he like medically carried? He off wasn't. The field? Yeah, he wasn't in the game. He he played one play. Like, <laughs> and I was just thinking to myself, like, man, comparing this to like 
<laughs> going back to the last of us is like such a polished experience. There's like almost no, no glitches or weird things going on. And I'm, then I'm playing Madden and my guy's <laughs> getting mad at me for a game he didn't even play in. And I'm just like, did this scenario not come up over your QA testing? Yes. You know, like did, did no one have this happen to them? And it just, I mean, it's inconsequential, whatever. I've hardly played it really since that, but like, it's just such a funny story to me <laughs> that this happened to me. That's and so funny. What a jerk. Do you, have the, you should have the option to at least text him back and be like, Well, I was going to text man. him back and be like, I don't want to play with you anymore, you know, like yeah. get off my team. But, uh, you know, he's played well for me ever since then. He's back from his injury now and oh, yeah. we've had some good games. We've kind of made amends for that, for that debacle. But, uh, yeah, that's my Madden <laughs> football story. Probably will never come up on the show again, but, uh, you know. That's always, awesome. always uh, listen to your teammates, give them what they want. And if they get hurt, you better find a way to please them anyway, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't realize how cutthroat Madden was, but damn. NFL's competitive league, man. But yeah, that's all for me this week, though. Kate, what you been playing? Um, yeah, I haven't been playing any Madden. Um, I've been playing, the, the main thing I've been playing lately is Salt and Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you that don't know what it is, it's basically Metroidvania meets Dark Souls. Uh, it's kind of like a 2D action platformer yeah. i watched i watched a friend of mine play a couple hours of this too so so I, I i liked what i saw i think it was a cool it's a really cool art style with the, yeah. the way the game plays with like light around doorways and stuff it is a really interesting art style it's almost like um grainy in a way or mm-hmm. as i like to to express it salty, <laughs> salty. it, it kind of looked like correct me if i'm wrong because I haven't, I haven't not really experienced mm-hmm. but a, a little bit like a, a hollow knight as well like um, with like some of the filters over the like the lighting in those darker areas, I don't know if that's just like I mean maybe comparison. like a there, maybe I, there's one area I can think of that that maybe is sort of Hollow Knight esque. It's kind of dark, but it's got this very like purple glow to it. I guess which would be similar to some of the areas in Hollow Knight, kind of like have their like a color theme to them. So I guess there there is definitely an area in particular I can think of, but I think the majority of the game is is kind of very much its own unique thing um but hollow knight's a good game to sort of think about with it like i would say hollow knight is a bit more like platform oriented mm. um and the pacing is quite different this one's a little bit like slower paced and while there is platforming it's a lot more combat focused well hollow knight has amazing combat as well um but this game is just a little bit less movement oriented and a little bit more like more combat focused. More combat those, yeah. focused. Um, but what's really neat about it is uh, it's obviously designed to be a single player experience and it has like the summoning kind of similar to how Dark Souls works where you can summon in online players to help you through an area that is difficult or like a boss you're stuck on. But you can actually play it fully co-op. Oh, really? I didn't, um, I didn't even know it was yeah, multiplayer at all. I didn't know about it either. Um, and it was kind of a little janky to, to make it work. You have to have like two saves on the same um on the same, same like, console? console um and then there's a function in game where normally where you'd summon someone online you can then summon like your other save file and it is like your friend with the other controller that's weird um, I, I couldn't imagine how that would work like as like a you know side 2d side scrolling thing like does that is that confusing um i mean there was there was one point where it was confusing but only because we had the same pumpkin head hat on and we were just like <laughs> two wear like the dudes head. like with pumpkins running around and then it was hard to tell who was who um but it's actually pretty good like i think maybe the only downside i've noticed playing it co-op is it's a bit 
easier than it would be otherwise um because i I don't know how much the game like kind of scales around Mm -hmm. there being two people as opposed to one person but it's actually it's really well done like all the items that you pick up you both get when we kill something we both get all the like the the salt which is basically like your souls from dark souls or like your resource you get for leveling up and and whatnot so everything is shared um, the only kind of difference with the second player is they there's a few like story things that they can't do. So like if I get a key item that opens a door, they don't get that key item. They get like like a pity item. Like here's a here's an extra like healing flask. <laughs> here's like, like five gold. Yeah, here's five gold. Like don't complain, okay? <laughs> like shh, hush hush. But like whereas I get the key, so I then have to open the door or whatever. But like for the most part, it, it's very like fluid to play with two players. And I, yeah, I've been really enjoying it. Like it's definitely like a Dark Souls style game despite being 2D so it's very much like precise combat exploration you know big intimidating boss battles um, and it does all the things that those games need to do quite well the combat is responsive and it always feels fair Um, when you die you know exactly what killed you and and maybe what you would do differently to you know Mm -hmm. to make it go a little bit more in your favor next time the parry timing is really fluid, which is something I always yeah, care that's about like your because favorite I mechanic. spec into it. <laughs> we'll talk about our favorite mechanics on a different show. That'd be yeah, and I'll, sure. I'll try not to bring it up. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the animations are, are really satisfying. There's a nice, flexible like upgrade path. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask, when I was watching my friend play, I think he was specking into a lot of the dagger skills. Is there is there daggers or swords or what? Like- there's both, yeah. It's actually quite flexible. Um, you get these really... like. They're actually quite pretty, these skill trees um, that big. go up. The it skill is, tree is very big. big. It's almost a little intimidating when you first look at it. But once you once you kind of get into it a little bit more and pay it a little more attention, it's really like the same kind of skills and, and they sort of branch out. Like your left sides, you're more like decks, weapons with bows and daggers. And your right sides, you're big swords and strength and heavy armor. So kind of like, yeah, you know, yeah. pick a side and go with it. But it's been pretty flexible. Like we've managed to make some sort of unique characters. So my character is kind of a... Like, I guess, like your typical sort of rogue. I have um, daggers or like a, a quick short sword mm-hmm. and a little like parry shield. But then I'm also a cleric. So I have like <laughs> holy magic. So I kind of like that weird juxtaposition of like the thief, but also I'm but a it, holy. But it works, person. right? It, yeah, you can do totally any combination you want whatsoever. So I sort of buff, I've sort of like specced into like buffs and like, um, like defense buffs and like putting like holy magic on my weapon. And whatnot, and then uh, my boyfriend, who I'm playing it with, he's like got a big great sword, but he's also like a mage. Of course, of course, like the <laughs> traditional things, fantasy yeah, archetype. The traditional, but like it works really well. So I think like there's a lot of nice flexibility. So even though the weapons themselves don't have the biggest move sets, um, because you can kind of like pair it with a magic type, um, there's actually like a decent amount of customization, which is quite nice. Um, so my favorite part of the game so far is the level design like it's really really well crafted the exploration is really rewarding there's tons of little hidden paths and items everywhere throughout throughout the levels uh, and tons of little like shortcuts that either take you back to the beginning of whatever level you're in or just to a totally different area in the game that you've already explored yeah and i think that's like that's like something that makes these type of games stand out among other ones when they have a good travel system because some of the maps just get so big and if it's you're backtracking and having all these problems all the time of like you know you feel like you're running through the same area i know you're probably doing that if you die in this game but like once you've completed it yeah and you've kind of you know explored what you need to explore it's nice to be able to quickly like okay now i'm over here i just fast traveled or like jumped jumped over to this location i need to go to yeah exactly and like it really makes the world feel very like 
cohesive as well like it almost feels like it like a natural place like when we first started playing it was interesting because I've never played one of these I mean I guess Hollow Knight but aside from that like I haven't really played much in this style of like in a 2D setting. Do you ever play Ori? Um, I played a it's little. Not a, it's not a Metroidvania, I guess, but I'm. Just... Yeah, I played a little bit of Ori, but I I never finished it, unfortunately. God, gotta go back. Then. I know. I I would like to eventually. It's on the list, but there's a lot of things on the list. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, but anyway, it was actually like kind of difficult. I found to situate myself in the world, like where I was in relation to where I'd been ten minutes ago. But after playing it for a little bit. I, I think like the map is actually very well designed and we started to be kind of familiar like I think if I just go left a little bit like we might end up in this in like the secondary and then all of a sudden you would be and like one of the things that people always praise the first Dark Souls for is that it just has this massive cohesive world and you sort of yeah and it's, it's interconnected loop, yeah. and, and loops back to on itself exactly and... you're always looping back on yourself and like you'll be like 30 minutes away and then all of a sudden you're back in firelink shrine again it's like oh my god how did i get here this is incredible and this game is obviously a much smaller scale but i think it's like almost on par with that wow that even is, that more is big praise. even more so than something like um, like even Bloodborne was and like other FromSoft games it's really really like cohesive and you're always finding like elevators and shortcuts and it's got that same kind of verticality to it so if you have played Dark Souls and you're looking for another game and and like a lot of these you know a lot of people write some of these games off as like oh they're just ripoffs of Dark Souls and they're doing like the same thing that mm-hmm. game did and like they're obviously heavily inspired but this game has its own unique thing going on, but it's also doing those things well. Like, it's not just riding off of that. It's it's very, mm. very well crafted. Well, yeah, and it, I mean, it changes the formula. It's, it's 2D as well, right? It's not like it's not like mm-hmm. it's just completely ripping Dark Souls off and it's like a 3D action kind of game. It's, like, this is, it's very much like just taking the, the same philosophy into a completely different style. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's got a few, like, unique things to it. Um, It's got a, a shrine system, which is kind of interesting. So it's basically like you join a covenant, uh, in the game and each one gives you like slightly different things um but it's kind of well, like stat stat boosts or um so how it works is like when you rest at it kind of like how dark souls works like you get your estus flasks back like your healing resource but this one the healing resource is slightly different depending on which covenant you're you're into so one of them will give you like it heals a little bit more but over like a longer duration so it's good if you're in combat because like if you take a hit then you'll kind of like heal through it whereas like another covenant might give you something that like it is a less heal but it's very quick and another one will give you like you can upgrade it for like more mana based things and then also depending on what covenant you're in different shopkeepers will sell you slightly different things uh, and you level that up as you go so I kind of like that because it it's really interesting to like discover those covenants as you go and kind of like you level yours up so you sort of like progress a little bit more into it but it does play into my one kind of complaint with the game is that it doesn't do a good job of explaining these things to you Mm. Um, and switching covenants is actually quite detrimental because it takes away your progress right in whichever you don't get the skill point like if you're putting skill points into this do you like yeah you kind of use resources to like expand your covenant and you also like come when you come across a new like safe place you claim it in your covenant so if you switch then all of a sudden you have all these old ones for the old one you're not really a part of and like you can't really Mm -hmm. utilize those to the same extent you feel like you could you're like wasting out on what you could have just put all these put more time into one covenant and been a stronger character as a result right yeah exactly but then like you find these new ones and it's tempting like you want to explore like what does this one give me right but like 
it would be a, you're wasting resources to do it so and it doesn't always tell you like what exactly is going to be different about them so you want to it's like you need to commit to something before actually being sure of what it is yeah exactly and I, I think like it's a problem just with the genre in general it doesn't always tell you how all the mechanics work mm-hmm. so you ended up looking up a lot of things which never feels good because it draws you out of the experience and then you know we're doing things sort of not organically because we're like oh we have to go here to get this covenant mm-hmm. and then we it can get this the item and like trying to do so that kind of takes you out of it a little bit so I, I think it has some good ideas but like would really benefit from being a little bit more like upfront with the players yeah um but anyway i think the game's fantastic i highly recommend it maybe look up a few things before you go into it but overall it's it's fun gameplay it you know it scratches that that itch for like yeah. an intense game yeah um, that's cool the only thing i, I want to say about it because just because it made me laugh was i went on to um i was on their steam page this morning and all the reviews are incredibly like positive and fantastic but there's this one review we love <laughs> from, bad reviews i do and it's from someone who like obviously just didn't know what they were getting into and like whatever like and i understand like if you're not super familiar with like how certain things work in games like you, you don't always expect certain mechanics to be a, a certain way um, but this person re- reviewed for 0.2 hours in the game and he says, there's no pause. I paused to switch controllers and got killed by a monster since it doesn't actually pause the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I just pictured this guy has 0.2 hours in it. Like he obviously really early on paused, like got killed. And he's like, fuck this game. Fuck this. I want to refund. <laughs> like, what is this bullshit what? game? I wow, pressed Wow, that's not pause. even the game's fault, man. That's the fact you didn't plug the right controller in to start. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought that was funny because like if you don't really... Like, I mean, that's a common thing I expect in some action games that pause doesn't yeah. stop well, I everything, think There's a right? lot of examples of games where pause doesn't, doesn't yeah. do anything. But, like, I understand, like, a lot of games that, I mean, the majority of games probably, like, pause does pause it. But this guy did not know yeah, that that was the thing. It. And he, he was like, game over. Maybe that was my it. running back. He wasn't having any of that. Like, he, <laughs> who knows? That's right. Um. So, yeah, the other the other game I've been playing is uh is a lot you know more lighthearted of a game uh we picked up this game and i think it was like a dollar on steam sale right now it's 90 percent off so pretty damn good sale go go pick it up it's pretty damn worth it um but it's called death squared it's like a i've sweet... heard of this i don't i've never seen like what it is but i've heard the name yeah it's, it's a it's a sweet little puzzle game um there is a story a main story mode that's two players that i haven't experienced yet but what we what we played was the like the four player like mission mode i guess um so after we played D the other day we kind of wanted like a you know like something relaxing to do for the last like hour or so before we all called it a night um so we decided we're like we'll pick this game up we had no expectations going into it whatsoever and it ended up being a ton of fun so you're all different colored cubes and you basically get these like small puzzle levels where you have to navigate the level and get to your color cube Mm -hmm. but there's all sorts of like ridiculous like traps in the way or like you guys have to manage like move around each other like not accidentally push each other off a level or like there's there's lasers that like only you are safe to go through your own so you have to block for the other person so it's basically just like your only mechanic the only thing you can do is physically move yourself there's no like interact buttons there's no items there's no nothing it's just move your block get to your color don't accidentally push your friend off the ledge because you've just done that three times and they're starting to get mad at you. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds just simple enough to work. 
Yeah. Like very, but like in a way that's more complex than you would think before you play something like that. Yeah, right? exactly. And like it's short and sweet. I think we, we probably played for maybe an hour and a half and, and got through 30 levels. And I think there's like another 10 or 15 more for us to go. Um, but it's it's really good. I, the difficulty level is great. Um, I mean, I don't think our team is particularly dumb. <laughs> like yeah. We're all like relatively competent at games and, and whatnot. But there were a few levels where we, we did get stuck for maybe a couple minutes and then was it felt really rewarding when we figured it out. Um, and there were some other levels that were maybe a little bit more straightforward, but each one felt good. It never felt like this is 100% clearly the obvious way to go. Like this is baby's first puzzle game, but it also wasn't like we're frustrated. We're yeah, just a good level, up. right? So yeah, it was good. The puzzles ended up being quite unique, like going through 30 levels. There was, you know, it was came keep coming up with fresh new ideas for us. So I, yeah, with having very low expectations and having spent, well, spent I, a dollar. Yeah, spent a dollar. <laughs> like, I, I think it's great. Like, great game to sit down with your friends and just nice. to have a laugh and play some puzzles. Cool, cool. Sounds a good time. Mm. Um, yeah, well, that's going to do us for the games we've been playing for the week. Um, so we'll be right back after we catch our breath and grab some more water, and we'll be uh, here to record and talk about the news. All right, everyone, we are back again, again for the news today. Um, we had a little technical difficulty when we were recording. Um, we had a little bit of an error with the news section. So we're redoing this the day after. And so we'll, you know, do our best to recreate the environment, talk about these things. But this is our second time. Hopefully there's no confusion. If we reference something in the next segment, which is like a <laughs> reference to the to this part of the show and it doesn't make sense, just, you know, that's what the, yeah. the recording we lost. Yeah. So. I, I know I think we had some wonky math in the first section of, uh, <laughs> of yeah, our recording yesterday, did, but I promise like no brain aneurysms. We're doing okay, but... <laughs> We're all good. Stuff happens. So anyway, uh, let's get started here. We have the July PS Plus games have been announced uh, for the month. So in tradition, you know, second second week of the tradition, we're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, we're both going to pick one of the games to play. Um, of course, this this is the tenth anniversary of PS Plus actually. Mm -hmm. So they've offered a free th third bonus game. Uh, so this month we have NBA Two K Twenty. Um, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and then we have Erica, which is one of the I think it's FMV type. It's an FMV kind of like choose I don't choose your own adventure, like, like story driven, story like driven FMV type, kind yeah. of yeah, kind of like a a telltale like would you like option A or option B, and then the story progresses as as you interact with it. So. Exactly. And so, Kate, what's your choice for uh, PS Plus selection? Um, it's a relatively strong month, I think. Um, I am going to go with Erica. Just because it, it's very different. I've never played an FMV game, and I don't even think I could name one off the top played, of my I head. I played that... Her Story a few years ago, and I really mm. liked that one. So, I mean, judging on that one specific example, right. I think Erica might be kind of cool. But Yeah, we'll see. I just think it's something a little bit different and seems like bite-sized and fun. So, yeah, yeah no, check fair it out. enough. Um, I'm going to politely leave NBA 2K20 <laughs> on the shelf. Uh, you are a sports guy, though, <laughs> so, as it oh, turns yeah, out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I watch sports. I don't know about this, but... Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Rise of the Tomb Raider. It's been Tomb Raider, like I, I was saying to you before, is like it's mm -hmm. always been like on my list of things to check out, especially with all the comparisons it draws with Uncharted. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's just never really been like at the top of the list. But now that I have this great reason to go back and try it out. Yeah, I agree. That's been been my thing, too. Like it looks like it's just an objectively good game, but there's just it doesn't stand out in the way that uh, some other games do for me. So it's always kind of in that like 
middle tier exactly, priority yeah. and it never it never surfaces enough for me to actually yeah, pick it up. But same, same. But now that I got this great reason to do so, I'll, yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah, well, maybe you'll, you'll feel dumb for never having I, played it. You know, I feel now. like I probably will. It's got good reviews, but yeah, we'll yeah. report back on those next episode. And uh, for now, let's move along to our second news story of the day, which is that PlayStation has started an Indies initiative. Um, this is, a, I think, about a week ago. Shuhei Yoshida, of mm-hmm. course, he's play, made a post. There's nine Indies. I guess there's, it's more or less an initiative. They're going to be spotlighting more Indies coming to the platform mm-hmm. moving forward um, with you know the transition from PS4 to PS5. I think like we spoke about before is like it's important to have you know as many games available at the start of a console generation so people want to buy the hardware. And so obviously Indies is a big part of that now. And this is just, uh, I guess, a program to highlight Indies that are going to be coming to PlayStation. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, not even just the quantity of games, but also a variety of games, which Indies are phenomenal for. Well, there's so much creativity in the Indies space, right? So it's neat to see like these these smaller, more unique games get that spotlight in the bigger events. Exactly. And that's the main thing, right? Like it's great to celebrate these smaller creators that otherwise maybe, you know, wouldn't have had their... 10 seconds in the spotlight and people might not have just known that these games existed so that I think it's a fantastic initiative and it's only going to be a good thing for the community going forward and it might jumpstart some some people's careers of, of talented people that might not otherwise have a chance yeah well I mean that's the thing too like discoverability for a lot of these smaller games is just so important because mm-hmm. you look at like Steam for example even the PlayStation store like when you're going through there you what do you click on the sales section you click on like you mm-hmm. know what's new in the featured games but unless it's really on one of those front pages it's so hard to to find yeah. a lot of especially smaller like indie games unless you know exactly what you're looking for yeah exactly or like it just someone else happened to discover it right like a lot of the best indie tiles I've played I found because it's like on a trending list somehow right yeah or like or like it makes it to youtube or one some you know personality in youtube or a podcast like us or something talks about one of these games and that's mm -hmm. pretty much the way you find out about like a lot of these things yeah exactly but i'm sure there's a lot of creative developers out there and i I can't wait to see who comes in the next toby fox and yeah uh, right yeah i think it's it's inherently just a, a great thing so i hope that they not just you know start it with the launch of ps5 but continue that to keep that strong throughout the console's whole life span and then even just progressing into the future as well. Yeah, and uh, it's listed on the post as well that the new indie title is going to join uh, PlayStation Now every month as well. And so that's going to be Hello Neighbor for July. So it's a nice little, I guess, you know, it's not free. People pay for PS Now, but mm-hmm. it's nice to toss them in there as well. Um, they announced nine games, I guess, for the first reveal. Did any of them jump out for you at all? Or? Um, yeah, well, one one jumped out for me just because uh, I had actually had a friend who had told me about the game because he was quite interested in the, in the music component. Uh, it was a composer, something that he, he knew ahead of time. Uh, and then I did see a lot of a decent amount of coverage on like the pseudo E3. Um, so it was the game Haven. Do you remember which which conference it was at for the it, events? I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was at multiple. Yeah. Like there was a couple that showed off trailers, one that showed off gameplay. Like it was, I think maybe it was like um, IGN and Gorilla or, or one of those two, probably both. Um, but it looks just kind of neat. It's almost got like a journey-esque sort of exploration style to it. And then it's got like, it's supposed to be really story driven, but the the characters are like a couple. Yeah, it's which the one is, where it's like a turn based strategy, right? Kind yeah, of, the turn based strategy kind of came out of nowhere. Like they showed that off sort of as like we also have this, but the the main thing that stood out to me is it's like um, a story driven game, but it's based about around a couple. And yeah, I, I don't yeah. think you see that very often in video games where it's like 
you know, instead of unless it's like a relationship drama game, yeah, well, where I mean, you're usually, like dating and stuff. Yeah, or usually it's like you're playing the main character, and they might have a relationship, but it's not like the the their significant other yeah. usually is just like a story device more so than yeah, like a exactly. Playable. Or it's like a player choice, like you choose out of these like eligible characters which ones you want to date. But the whole story is centered around these two main characters together that are a couple, and I just thought it was kind of neat. I'd never seen anything quite like it, so yeah. I mean, we'll have to see more about the mechanics and stuff, yeah. but it'd be cool to check out. I mean, for me, I would say none of these really stood out a whole lot, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, not that they look bad or anything, but for especially like smaller games, I think mm-hmm. just there's so many big things you just can't wait to play. Like for something, right. for an indie game to come out, it's almost like you need to wait and see like what catches that hotness on the on the internet to see mm-hmm. like what becomes the biggest hype thing. For Like for me, I'd, if I had to pick one out right now, it would be Worms Rumble, actually. <laughs> just because, you know, it's one of those, it's almost like a nostalgia pick. I remember playing worms back in the day on like windows 98 computers or whatever oh yeah absolutely we had a few rough, and, rowdy worms nights yeah of course it's, it's a good time and like this one looks like it's changing the formula up like to, i didn't even really know worms was still making a lot of the, like a lot of new worms games the last little bit maybe they haven't been but it's, it's it's cool to see it come back and this one's like a real-time battle i guess so i don't exactly know how it's oh, going to change like the turn-based yeah no it's like... not it's not turn-based like mm-hmm. worms traditionally is very much like hey you you know you have like six worms on your team yeah and you you're like, okay, this is the first worm, then this turn, whatever. But this one's real time. So oh, I don't know if you're if it's like a Smash Bros. kind of feel or I mean that'd be <laughs> I mean, a weird direction, right? That but, would be a weird direction. Hey, maybe it'll be the next guest fighter. Oh god, worms. could you imagine on the fighter pass it's worms? Jesus. PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale 2 is gonna be featuring the worms characters. Featuring worms. Yeah, so I don't I mean I don't know if I'll check it out, but it's just cool to see like a, such a small title highlighted yeah, here. And, well, like you said, we'll see who the next Toby Fox is and what ends up getting <laughs> highlighted on the indies initiative going forward so Mm -hmm. that's cool but that's going to do us for the news for the second time (laughs) yeah we'll try not to do it a third time but who knows maybe we'll be back again tomorrow if there's a a recording error here tonight i'm tempted just to be like you know what Uh, there's no news that week we didn't we heard nothing (laughs) well i mean it was a kind of lighter week but you know gotta get it in there um anyway we'll take a short break and we'll be right back again with a third segment and we'll talk about the game mechanics we hate the most All right, everyone, we're back again. It's time to close out the show with our third segment where we we thought it'd be fun to have a little bit of a discussion about our least favorite game mechanics. So I think back when we did one of our, that quiz on our first episode, one Mm -hmm. of the questions was like, hey, what's a mechanic you really don't like in video games or something along those lines? Yeah, I think so. And so we said like, hey, this would be a fun thing to talk about. And here we are. So um, I'll start us off. I think like what it boils down to is I just really don't like games that waste my time. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that can be a variety of things to different people. And to me, the when I was thinking about it, I'm just like, you know, there's so many things I want to play, like these arbitrary systems, I think, that are that just add time you need to put into the game that are, that's artificial. So to boil it down, I got like two major points. The first one is and I, this is kind of a point that doesn't really happen a lot these days anyway, but I just think the the like any game that has a life system these days is just so behind the times and like antiquated outdated whatever you want to say but it's just like if you go back to it right like lives originally began like arcades where you have mm-hmm. to put a you know you die you got to put another quarter yeah, in that like makes a, complete like sense because they they need to make money on the game right and then that kind of evolved into like hey you know here's your nes or or your whatever you got your playstation one with crash bandicoot and 
The game isn't necessarily a super long game, so we're going to make it really difficult. And if you die, you got to restart from the beginning. And that's how you're going to get your playtime out of it, right? Because you're mm-hmm. not going to beat it on your first go. And I mean, that could you could talk about difficulty there as well, but that's a separate argument. I'm not arguing mm-hmm. for difficulty. But like as games have progressed further and further, like you can see like, you know, even like PS2 kind of days, they had lives and whatnot, a lot of games. But these days, I think a lot of t- games have moved more towards like checkpoints or mm-hmm. like, hey, you die, you restart here. And you, you don't have to do that meticulous thing. And I just think these games that have a life system are just so outdated these days. Like a great example here is like of like someone that's done it right and changed the, the mold is like Super Mario Odyssey, I think, does a great job of this um, to, to talk about that because they they got rid of having lives, right? Like you just, if you fall off, you, you restart from where you're at. And mm-hmm. you don't have to ever go back to the start of a level just because you lose your life. And in my opinion, it's like losing your lives in the game. Like let's use, let's use, uh, you know, the original Mario Brothers game as an example. Or like, say, Crash 1, because we're talking PlayStation, right. right? Sure. So you're playing Crash 1, you're in the first level, whatever. You you get almost near the end, and then you lose your last life. you got to restart from the very beginning. You've already proven that you can beat that challenge. You've right. already done it. So why do you have to just go back to the start just because you died three times in a row or whatever right. it is, you know? It, it just seems so archaic to right. me. Right, and then at that point, you're frustrated because... You've played the same level yeah, over and, and, and it, over again. it can put you off, you know, and you get a lot of these like purist people who are more like retro and, and whatnot, and, or maybe they're like a little bit older than we are. And this is kind of what they, they like or they, whatever reason, right? You can like what you like. There's nothing wrong with it. But I just think that like modern game design is so far past lives now. Like any modern game that comes out I, that that has that kind of system would instantly be just a turnoff, hmm. I think. Interesting. So would, would you then argue, because I know a lot of people are in the camp for like and there's a big, I mean, not, I don't want to say the word debate, but there's a lot of conversation going around right now about like adjustable difficulty settings. Would you say like a game like Crash you think would be improved if like that was maybe something you could toggle and say like I either want the lives or like, no, give me the infinite life mode and maybe I just, I spawn where I, I missed that jump because I'm on the goddamn bridge level that is like, <laughs> you yeah. jump across the bridge on the turtles and it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> It's an interesting debate, right? Because I'm not arguing that the game should all be made easier. Mm-hmm. Like, like Crash is tough. Like original Crash games, those are hard, right? And and yes. and the difficulty comes in in like completing the platforming challenges. Not and but I think once you've once you've completed it, like you do get a checkpoint partway through the level. But the problem yes. is, is that if you make it to that checkpoint, you could die and lose all your lives beyond it. Then you got to restart mm-hmm. at the start. Like, as long as they kept the checkpoint there, I think you just need to to keep that and get rid of the lives. Like you've made it to the checkpoint. Right. You should get infinite tries from beyond that time because you've proven yourself that you made it that far. Right. Yeah, I guess. And that makes sense. And it's sort of like that is organically where the, where you decided is kind of like the point where now you're at the next part of the level. So then the right. life system on top of that is like, well, you you are there, but also you're not really there. Exactly. And it, and it shouldn't be after like every time you die, you start re- right where you were. Because sometimes the challenge is like completing these three jumps in a row, then killing this enemy. But I think like once you complete that, whatever they deem to be that section of the challenge, you should be done it. And that should just be where you're at. Like, for example, could you imagine playing like you're playing God of War in the background right now? You didn't talk about it on the Mm -hmm. show today because you just want to get a bit further or whatever. But could you imagine you're like in a combat sequence there and and then just because you died to this boss, you have to go back like 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, Like it just would be like a lot of the way the games are designed these days, they don't really have this anymore. But I just think that that's testament to like how outdated it actually is. Yeah. And I think for the most part, I agree with you. I think there are definitely maybe some outlying games where like that is maybe an intentional design choice because it's 
going to provide a specific experience and that's like kind of like a core concept of the game but I think definitely just as a concept to add to your game to like give it an extra bit of challenge and it's funny because you know it's funny talking about this with what I've chosen for my topic um but I I agree that like the that mechanic is something that very easily unless done extremely intentionally just adds to frustration and like like crash is a great example i bought the remaster well when it came out because i remember i had really good memories of playing um crash three right yeah um and i i hadn't fully ever played the first two so i thought this is a great experience i'll get a nostalgic game and then two other ones that i missed and it'll be great and i never ended up finishing it because i just got I don't it's really it's like, the kind of thing that can really ruin your experience if you if you you're yeah. doing really well making some progress and you lose your lives on a really frustrating level and it can be the kind of thing where you're like oh fuck this I'm just gonna turn it off for now yeah. whereas whereas that like you shouldn't have to put yourself through frustration like that I don't think some yes. people like that like I said like that's fine like that's the way you want to play but I think like in general you shouldn't be you shouldn't be feeling like that actual frustration feeling when you're playing a game you know like you're yes. you're doing it for fun. Yes, I I think a a big distinction is um, if something is is difficult and then you feel rewarded for having beating it and like, oh, I accomplished this, I did a great thing. That's a good difficulty. But if something is difficult and then you feel like, thank God I don't have to do that Mm -hmm, again, mm -hmm. that's a bad difficulty. And I think the live system often like sometimes goes more towards that second situation where you're like oh i'm relieved i don't have to replay that section another 50 times Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's why like there's so many modern games that are such good examples like celeste and super meat boy like two Mm -hmm. very tough platformers but but the levels are either short enough to where you don't need a life system you can just restart the level over and over again until you've beaten it or like you know you you respawn at a certain point where they've they've let you complete that challenge and it eliminates that frustration that's just like archaic mechanic they used back in the day hmm. in arcades you know interesting i'm trying to think of like what a like an example of a really modern game that has yeah you know like, like I, it's a bit of a blind spot for me i was trying to think of an example but there's just not a lot of games that have this these yeah. days you know at least that i've been playing recently that and i, came I guess to my maybe mind. that is a testament to like but most people agree you know, with you but like a lot of people will always argue like oh you know this old game is better than these new ones and it's like well mm-hmm. you can argue different aspects of it but i think like there's there's almost no argument to me these days that that's a good mechanic mm-hmm. maybe i'm alone in that but <laughs> that was only half of my argument like another time wasting thing and this is actually the one that drives me really crazy because it, it happens in more modern games than the life thing is i hate it i hate it hate it hate it hate it when you're playing an rpg and your whole party does not get experience from completing a battle i hate that mechanic <laughs> and i'll tell you why is because it pigeonholes you into using certain party members mm-hmm. and so i i this is like I spoke about this when I when we answered this question originally, but Persona 4 Golden, right? One of my favorite games of all time. I think it was number 17 on my list I was doing. I love that game. It's so great. But the problem with it is is that the party your party members don't all get experience. So you have I think seven guys in your party, maybe it's eight whatever, but you can only bring four with you. So if you go complete a whole dungeon, like the dungeons are long and the mm-hmm. guys in the in your party right now are going to gain a lot of levels during maybe five, six levels, maybe more than that, depending how long you grind for Mm -hmm. what you're doing in there. So after after you complete the dungeon, you then have the option of, well, I can go to the next dungeon, which is going to be harder than the previous one. And why would I want to use my other party members that did not level up? So you're stuck with this thing of like, well, you can either progress with the same guys or you can go spend an hour or maybe more 
just fighting random encounters to catch your other guys up. Right, which is not fun. And it's not fun. <laughs> and it, and like to me anyway, some people love grinding in games and whatever. It adds more content and they just like the battle system. But to me, it's like I just don't have time mm-hmm. to do these to do these meaningless random encounters over and over again like that's not what i'm here for i'm here to progress the story mm-hmm. you know and and pokemon is like so bad for that too yes. like you almost need to like when i play a pokemon game now i almost go through the pokedex and i'm like okay i'm gonna catch this guy here put him in my party but i almost never switch them out on the fly and like you know what i've been using charizard for a bit i'm gonna put him in the box and grab this other guy because it's like i don't want to be i can't be bothered to go back yeah. and and grind like it, it just, just feels like a waste it's a waste of time and it, it, it's different when like games that do this so well would be oh it would be uh like digimon cyber sleuth <laughs> i knew this I knew. game <laughs> is phenomenal it's it one is. of my favorite games on the playstation 4 and the best part about it is you can have a party of up to nine nine creatures on your team nine digimon and every single one of them gets experience no matter what. So if you're fighting a guy that's weak to like dark and you have three dark guys in your party out of nine, you can use those three because it's the optimal setup for that battle, win the battle, and then the guys that were in your in the back get the experience. And then the next battle, they're able to come in and you can switch them out just as easily. And it encourages like you can augment your party combinations. You can use a variety of characters. So the battling changes up and doesn't get stale. Like it's right. just, and you don't have to worry about grinding. And if I remember correctly in that game too, not only do your, par- like the Digimon in your party get experience, but also the ones that you're not currently using, like, I, I don't, I can't remember what it's called. Like yeah, the there's, a, there's a Digimon box. farm system so they kind of, you can put them off to the side and they'll level up. Yeah, I don't think it's as quick so, as no, in your party, but they're like, because one of the things I remember really enjoying about that game was like the constant like dopamine rush of like, oh, your Digimon's ready to Digivolve. It's been leveled up, but it would be like, the ones you're currently using, but then also like, oh, fucking Patamon over there that you haven't seen in the last like 20 minutes, he's ready now too. And like, oh God, I better go check on exactly. Patamon. Exactly. Like, and it's like you said, yeah. it's a dopamine rush of like, well, I got a new party member. This is cool. And you're, mm-hmm. you're trying different guys all the time. And like, as much as I love like Persona 4, I basically just pick my favorite four members and I'm just like, you yeah. know what? I'm just going to use these guys. And it's made, it makes the game tougher in some aspects too, because if I got my guy that's an ice specialist, but he's on the bench because he's like 20 levels too low at this right. point. So and, I can't use him. And you always get the coolest guy right at the end where it feels like it's too late to mm-hmm. pull them into your team because you've already like got your composition figured out, but yeah. he's the coolest guy. So you want to take that's him. Right. And, and so like, I think mass effect does it really well as well. Like as you're going through the missions, like you, everyone gets their own skill points, even, even the characters you don't bring. So if you want to bring certain characters because you're a sniper, you don't want to bring another sniper or, or whatever, you know, however you want to set your party up, you can, this mission, you know, is a lot of these types of enemies. This guy's got a weapon you need. So you can just go spec him out, like put all your Mm -hmm. points in, even if you haven't been using him, bring him on one mission and then you're, you're good to go. Right. It just, it just offers that customization without having to, you don't have to make the choice between, Hey, I want to use this guy, but is it worth doing two hours of grinding? You know, like you can always use whatever you want. And I think that, an interesting system that's kind of like a half measure. I'm interested to see what you think. Have you ever played Final Fantasy X? I haven't. My Final Fantasy um, experiences are Final Fantasy Advanced Tactics and Kingdom Hearts. Okay. And like <laughs> neither of which else. is a <laughs> neither of which is like a mainline Final Fantasy. Yeah. Game. So so in Final Fantasy X, it's got a battle system where it's turn based, just like any other RPG. But but what's interesting about it is you can switch out party members on the fly and then. Okay. And then it doesn't take their turns. You can attack the same turn with your party member. Okay. And the way that game works is anyone who's taken an action in battle uh, gets experience. So you can switch a guy in for one turn, make him attack one time, switch him out, he'll get the experience. So it becomes like 
a game of like you can you can easily get people experience but it's a bit of a risk because if you have a character that's weak to whatever enemy you're fighting you need to pick your spot to get them in for their hits so they get their experience points right it's almost kind of like like a turn-based game i mean it's like a different system but it's kind of like like a fire emblem turn base where you have like your weak guy and they have to be like the one who gets the last shot gets the experience so if you're like shitty new character you yeah, got right, then you're they... trying to like feed him enemies like okay it's down to one hit like it's your turn mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like that right and i think those it's like a half measure and i'm okay with that too because it offers you like if you want to to eliminate grindy you can right. do all that switch it kind of like works it into like a strategy for the game versus like you either did it or you didn't mm-hmm. and it's kind of on you right but it's mm-hmm. the the option is there and they make it way easier and I think that's a like good middle ground. But honestly, like any RPGs going forward that I'm interested in, like they almost have to have universal experience just because I don't like, I just hate grinding. Right. I don't waste my time. And this obviously is for like party based. Yeah. Games, yeah. For, right? for like, like, I'm yeah. talking a lot of JRPGs, like, yeah. like the Final Fantasies and the Pokemon Digimon, like, you know, all, Dragon Quest, all those type of things. Like that's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about here. Yeah. And I think like, it's just, it's just like respect your player's time. You know, those games are already long enough. You don't need to grind to. Yeah, exactly. 120 hours going in. <laughs> exactly. Don't need 220. Exactly. Um, okay, so that that's actually really interesting and, and kind of like organically leads into what I I prepared to talk about, um, which is funny because we, we mentioned um, this sort of came out of the idea of when we did the, our first episode, we did those like that quiz um, with a bunch of different video game preferences. And we had very starkly different answers, not a lot of overlap. But right now, like we've it's almost overlap. we've almost kind of picked the same thing to talk about, but in different context. Um, so when I was first thinking about it, the thing that came up to me and, and like what I personally hate the most is it came out of the idea of of grinding for experience and for stats, like usually by getting a level up uh, in games. And I, but I it sort of evolved into this core concept after thinking about it a bit of like the idea of unfulfilling difficulty in games. Um, so I want to preface this by saying I, I know like I probably talk a lot of maybe too much about like soul style games and like I enjoy challenging games. I think the reason the reason is though is those are kind of like the the standard of like difficulty conversation right right now you know in in like the world of gaming like the culture of gaming it's like the very much like the Mm -hmm. bar they're so they're so prevalent right now in gaming and like it's you know it's been like one of the newest biggest genres coming out but i want to say that like i don't think it is not necessarily about like how difficult the game is because difficulty doesn't equal good and easy doesn't equal bad i and i think like in general, inclusivity is better than exclusivity in games. But I think what's important is how natural the difficulty level feels uh, and what kind of impact it has on the gameplay and the player's experience. And it's all about like what kind of tools you have to overcome the challenges. So to kind of to kind of backpedal and bring that back to grinding, I've come across it most in JRPGs is sort of the biggest culprit. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, um, I don't know what else you really end up grinding in unless, yeah, unless it's like, like grinding out like finding equipment to level up your weapons in like an action game yeah, or something. Yeah, and that's but. different because that's kind of like an optional thing if you really want like a specific weapon yeah. or like to optimize yeah. your build. You're talking but about like difficulty spikes. I'm talking about like difficulty spikes that like you run up against the boss and no matter how many times you run it back, the boss just does too much damage. You can't out heal it. Like your status effects that you've prepared in your party composition don't matter. You know, like... That's, you, a, great, you just, that's a great shout yeah for a mechanic. and like you just don't have a way to circumvent that fight and your only way to beat it is to go back and like get some new levels or like get a you know or level up a different team member that you're not using mm-hmm. and then now you have 
the ability to beat it. And it feels bad. It's not fun. It's not fulfilling. Like it just, it crashes your game progress to an absolute halt. And it's horrible. And <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's horrible. horrible. It, it is really horrible. is. Like there's, there's been, and I, I made a note, the two games I thought about most when I played this. And it's funny because you brought up Digimon Cyber Sleuth. And I think it is an amazing experience. And I love the way that like you level your party. I know exactly but what you're about to say. But I got bricked on it. Because there's these enemies and they are weak to one specific type of damage. Yeah. And in my party, I didn't have anyone with that type of damage. And in my box, I didn't have anyone with that type of damage because um, you're constantly like... It's pretty specific and it's not actually... Yeah. It's piercing damage you're talking about. Exactly. And And the thing about piercing damage in that game is it's not really that useful aside from the fights you're talking about. Yes. It's like one specific enemy that's like kind of like a reoccurring boss that you come mm-hmm. up against and you you basically can't beat it unless you have piercing and like I guess knowing that's an enemy maybe it's something you should always have prepared in your back pocket but part of the mechanics of the game and the fun of it is that you're constantly like digivolving and like you don't always know what you're going to digivolve into like it gives you mm-hmm. an option like here are these fourth silhouettes pick one yeah and like sometimes you just you know you're you're constantly like fluid switching out what well what yeah and for like have. for like digimon experts maybe they would know but like yeah. I'm, I'm very much like i'm not a digimon fan i'm a fan of the digimon cyber sleuth game right and the digimon are just a fun like set of characters to use yeah exactly so i you know i came up against this and i just there was nothing i could do no amount of switching my party or like you know running it up and like maybe i get lucky for a crit or something and like i just got wiped every time and i ended up having to grind to to get past mm-hmm. it and it just it wasn't fun it really like just ticked i mean not that i would say it's an incredibly immersive game but like it just halted my progress it felt like a chore to play and i felt like it, it, the difficulty didn't contribute to anything it was just frustrating and i've had the same experience in other rpgs and like i'm always the kind of person too where i do all the side quests i never run from fights like i feel like i should be the correct level to take on whatever yeah, challenge right. the I mean, game is giving me. I feel the same way. Like if, if you don't run from the random encounters, but you're not seeking out extra ones either. But if you just mm-hmm. do the, the normal amount plus all the fights you're supposed to do, like I think that should be adequate to get you where you need to go. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like in terms of like the ability to beat a certain boss. Yeah, exactly. So it just it just soaked the fun out of it. And there's other kind of this kind of problem shows up in other games, too. I, I think like. It's a sort of exemplified in like shooter type games where you get enemies that are just like damage sponges and you just spend like 10 minutes safely far away, like just shooting like forever into this one enemy that eventually it goes down and like. Right. And it becomes like an endurance fight almost just because you you didn't level yourself up enough because he he just arbitrarily has this, this amount of HP. Yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, you get those difficulty settings sometimes and all it does is it okay, now the enemy has 100 extra health, like, so the battle is twice as long, but it's the exact same battle otherwise. And I think, I don't think a fight or, like, a section is interesting because it's long or punishing or difficult. It's interesting because you feel rewarded and accomplished for beating it, but, like, adding an extra 10 minutes to that fight, yeah, it I doesn't told, change your player it, that's experience. That's such a stereotypical, like, like RPG problem, you know? At the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's, like, having that, especially, like, so many games have that big final boss who who is just this enormous challenge compared to whatever else yeah. you've been fighting. And it, it does suck your momentum, you're right. I remember actually to uh, when I admitted my my uh, turning my Final Fantasy VII remake <laughs> difficulty down, yes. it was largely for reasons like this. Like I just felt that 
after trying this specific boss a couple times that I just... I was going to have to grind or I was going to have to look up a guide of like how to set up my materia properly to take this guy out. And I didn't really want to use a guide. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, instead of grinding, I'm just going to lower my difficulty, beat the shit out of this guy and then raise it back up. And it's not because I, you know, I think it was very much like the same kind of thing you're talking about. Like mm-hmm. I just wasn't, didn't grind enough or I wasn't set up correctly or, or whatever. Yeah. But, and like you but can't it, always anticipate exactly like what the best strategy will be going forward. Right. Like mm-hmm. you never, you don't know the next boss coming up is going to be weak to fire and that's something that you could have prepared. And yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah. And I, I think like, you know, I kind of have to bring up something like a Dark Souls, Sekiro, Bloodborne kind of thing. And it's funny because I, I see a lot of people playing those games just in like the community and, and people I know and they get like frustrated fighting to, fighting some of the bosses oh man that um, happened to me yeah in Sekiro I got stuck on one of the first like big bosses of the game I haven't really gone back since to be honest with yeah. you and it's and it's just like and that's an interesting one too because you can't grind in that game really like you can maybe go through and get a couple more skills on your skill tree and whatnot but you can't grind it out like I just feel like that game really is I mean it's it's a hard-ass game to start mm-hmm. with but like and I'm not very good at it but but I'm just so stuck on this one boss and I feel like it really is a difficulty spike. Yeah, exactly. And I think maybe in, in that way, some people might argue that maybe grinding is is something that they like because it gives them that ability to like kind of bypass some of the the challenges. But at least for me personally, like I, I really respect what they do with the difficulty in those games because it, it's hard and it's challenging. But every time I get in those fights, like I very rarely have those moments where like I'm frustrated. There's definitely been times where like I'm stuck and maybe I'll, I'll put it down and come back to it later. But like I want to keep fighting them because every time I fight like a boss in a game like that, that's done really well, I feel like I, I become more skillful. Like I kind of, I learn their patterns and I'm absorbing information and on the next run back, I can use that to my advantage. And then you beat them and it's like your own skill because you've progressed there's nothing like there's no barrier against you to say like well you didn't have the stats so if you were three levels higher you would have done x amount more damage or like survived this attack mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. i my it's, personal it's you, skill is developing as a player uh and I, I think that that to me feels a lot more fulfilling of a difficulty because i myself circumvented i'm not blocked by the game itself exactly yeah. um and i think some other really good examples of that are are games and it's funny you also brought up mario odyssey but i think that's a, a perfect example God, we're really on the same page today. we really are we're totally in sync um but that game is, is amazing because like to beat the game you need a certain amount of moons um and to progress to the next level and there's a lot of moons that you know you get through the story and and there's some that are more simple to find or easier and you can beat the story and it's rewarding and fun and, and it's a great gameplay experience but then there's also some that are a lot more challenging to find that are maybe hidden a little bit more secretively. Mm-hmm. Or, or they're like a carrot on the end of a stick for someone that wants to go try those challenging platform loops that you could have avoided as a someone that just wants to see the world and get through the game. Yeah, exactly, right? Like you can come up against a really difficult platforming section and you can choose like, yeah, this is the kind of experience I do want to take this a little bit more like seriously or I want to see like this is hard. I want to challenge myself to beat this section. Or you can say, whatever, I have 30 moons already. I don't need this one. I'll like mm-hmm. go that's, be on my way. That's a great way, way to right? circumvent like the challenge problem while still having it included. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like you can perfectly play the game and, and bypass some of these things or you can play the game and, and kind of experience some of the more difficult levels it has to offer. And it's it's at your own experience what you choose to do. So I, I think games like that that sort of have a, 
not and it's not just difficulty settings which is a whole different topic mm-hmm. of whether or not you yeah, know those yeah, are good right, or not right. but I, I think like giving you different ways to play and like communities come up with different things to to make difficulty feel rewarding like doing speed runs or playing yeah, or, or like oh i'm only going to use my base weapon or yeah or stuff exactly like, that, like right? oh without leveling or like yeah this crappy equipment or something so i, I think difficulty needs to to fit the tone of the game like you don't want difficulty in a game like animal crossing (laughs) like that would be ridiculous and like you also don't want a game like dark souls to be easy because it's supposed to be an oppressive gritty kind of world so i think like it should be difficult for a purpose and give you a rewarding gameplay experience to to get around that whether that be solving a puzzle or fighting Mm -hmm. a hard boss or making a difficult platforming section not okay you need to go grind because your stats are too low yeah right and Sorry. and it's just it, it almost just seems like games that have that issue just weren't they didn't get balanced properly in their design yeah you know? or like they were like the qa testers would have been like well we grinded a bit more than the average player would have so this was fine for us but then in, when it gets to the player's hands they don't have that experience and they get they get killed by these bosses yeah exactly and i think it comes down to, to what i said earlier the philosophy of like it should feel fun and rewarding when you when you get through a challenge, not a relief to have finally progressed mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you no longer have to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. You know, we should uh, we should consult on game design, I think. We got some good ideas yeah. here, I would say. <laughs> I would say. That's right, in our professional opinions. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. Well, if you have any professional opinions about game mechanics that you don't like, please let us know. You can get in touch yeah. with us in a lot of places. One of those places is our Twitter account, at C-A-N-D-S-Pod. Uh, it's got links to all of our other uh, you know, media and places you can find us on there as well. Uh, one of those being our email address, circlesandsquarespod at gmail.com, where you can send those lovely emails. Uh, send us a tweet as well if you like. Go comment on our YouTube video. You know, we're all over the place. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, we'll see you in two weeks uh, for episode nine coming up at Circles and Squares. The intro and outro music for Circles and Squares was produced by friend of the show, Matthew Chan. Interlude music is from Scott Gratton of the Free Music Archive. Our channel art was created by at unreasonable on Twitter, and our brother Alex is the designer of the Circles and Squares logo. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show.